What's going on, everybody? What an explosive championship game we got on July 4th weekend. There were certainly some fireworks going down in Canton. That was an amazing, amazing display by the USFL for the inaugural championship game. And we're here to talk all about it. As always, I'm your host, Devin Primrose, joined by my good buddy, Mr. Peter Strauss. What is going on, man? Not much. It was a good time and still is a good time to be a football fan, I think, with uh, Absolutely. USFL Season 1 under wraps, USFL Season 2 confirmed, NFL's right around the corner, uh, XFL revamped next year. Yeah, it's all it's all going to sneak right on us, right on up <laughs> on us. Uh, I know that the NFL will be kicking off our NFL podcast in just over a month, I believe August 9th is going to be the first episode uh, previewing the upcoming NFL season. Uh, so we'll be back for that. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's USFL season one under wraps. Fantastic job. Uh, I enjoyed most of it. There was a handful of, of dud games, but for the most part, I thought successful season, good season. Um enjoyed it championship game i have no doubt that those two teams are the two teams that deserve to be there 100 percent uh with the way that they that they played their hearts out on that field i mean it was came down to the water came down to the last few minutes and you can't hope for a better championship game than that yeah it was i mean if there were any duds in the season it was just because uh you know the playoff teams kind of made themselves known pretty much when the season started besides maybe the stars um, were the only team that really had a slow start, but yeah, I mean, that's just, it's a new league. None of the players are known. Now they have kind of something to go off of. Hopefully some off season moves. will get some better coaching in the bad teams looking at you, Pittsburgh. Uh, <laughs> listen, got, got to jab at him a little bit for the last hey, USFL hey. episode. They can't be any worse next year, right? I mean, I guess they could go 0-10, which yeah, they, they should have gone this year. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I'm, I am excited for Season 2, and I'm excited to see what the um, offseason looks like for these guys and what happens with some of these players if they move on to, to an NFL squad and get a tryout or whatever, or if they stick around for Season 2 and become you know, bona fide stars in this league um but speaking of stars let's get things kicked off with our usual kickoff segment best of the booth who was your best of the booth for the first usfl championship game i have got to give it up to the stallions defense the stallions like we've been talking about the last few weeks of the season seem to be struggling a little bit and then Last week, they were able to capitalize on Sloter's mistakes, and then they did the same thing this week. Unfortunately, Cook has had to go out, uh, and Costello came in, and they took full advantage of it. But even before then, I mean, the team as a whole, uh, four sacks, uh, three tackles for loss, two picks, eight passes deflected. That's a pretty good day for a championship team, especially when they allowed 30 points. Like, they were... Playing their hearts out, just Cookus was throwing the ball all over the place. So was Costello. Yeah. Uh, 
Special shout-outs, Christian McFarlane, uh, nine total tackles, seven of them total, an extra tackle for loss, and he had one of the interceptions. And my boy talked about, at the start of the season, <laughs> Shark Dog, the heart and soul of the Stallions defense, Scooby Wright. May not have had the most overall impactful game in terms of you know the entire game, but made arguably... The biggest play when his team needed it most. Yeah. The Stars had momentum. And Scooby Wright gets a pick six to put his team back on top. And just a phenomenal way for him to end the season for everything he's done for this team. Um, And obviously all these guys played their hearts out to get four sacks and eight passes deflected against, like, arguably one of the better passing offenses in the league, if not the best passing offense in the league. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to say that Philly's offense might have been the highest scoring. It could have been the Generals, but they were they were right up there also, and it is largely due to their passing game because the run game it has been pretty non-existent for most of the season. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that Scooby didn't get uh, the MVP honors. The MVP going to Victor Bolden, who did have a good game, you know, made made an impact in the return game, made some big plays on on the offensive side. But I just don't think that like it to me. I think I said this, you know, before we started the pod that it's very similar to Malcolm Butler in the I believe it was 2015, might have been 2016. I think it was 2015 though. Uh, Eagle or not Eagles? Uh, Seahawks Patriots game where. On the one-yard line, Russell Wilson goes to pass, and it gets picked off uh, to seal the victory for for the Patriots by Malcolm Butler. He ends up getting MVP. I think that Scooby Wright made the biggest play of the game at the biggest moment of the game, uh, and that, to me, deserves MVP. That's what superstars do. I mean, they, they, they show up for their team when their team absolutely needs them to. Um, and yeah, you can say it was a bad pass by KJ. You can say that, you know, he shouldn't have thrown it, whatever. And you're not wrong, but KJ didn't play well at all because he probably wasn't expecting to play. Um, but Scooby did what he, what he was supposed to do. He made, made the pick, returned it all the way, got, got the points. Um, so if it was my decision, I would have given MVP to, to Scooby for sure. Yeah. I mean, even if it's like, a guy who didn't expect to play, you still got to take advantage of bad decisions. And that's yep. something that, and I almost went with them with under review, but I did because under review is going to be fun. Dang it. <laughs> but the stars defense missed some opportunities. Uh, the biggest one I can think of was at the end of the half, they uh, had a chance to intercept the ball and the guy dropped it. And uh, stallions were able to get a field goal right before halftime yep. and stallions won by a field goal. So, yep. Yep. So missed opportunities there that uh, the Stallions were able to capitalize on theirs, and that's what made the difference. And o- and honestly, it really was a tale of two halves. Like if you look at the first half, I believe it was twenty to nine at halftime, or twenty. I think it was twenty to nine. Twenty nine. Uh, and yeah. and look at the points in the second half. The Stars outscored the Stallions um, twenty one to thirteen. So the Stars definitely outplayed them in the second half. They made the adjustments necessary in the second half. They just couldn't get it done quick enough. And honestly, some of it is on uh, the the point-after attempts by 
this Stars team. Stars missed a point after kick, uh, which is one point, and then they missed a two-point conversion, which is two points. Count that up, that's three points, which means we could have had overtime and the first championship game, which would have been glorious. I would have loved every minute of that. Um, but we don't. It's unfortunate. And speaking of, of that first half of the Stallions team, I gotta give it up for my best of the booth, Mr. Bo Scarborough. The dude had one heck of a first I mean the entire game but the first half was incredible for a running back I wish I had the the, the numbers um divided up for the first half but you know on the day he went 135 yards on 13 attempts which was a 10.4 average yes one of those was a long of 70 yards but still you take that away that's still 65 yards on 12 carries which means you're averaging over five yards to carry, which is amazing. Uh, he did have a touchdown for the Stallions also. I just think that this is a guy that could do anything he wanted to that Philadelphia front seven. That Philly that Philly front was not stopping Bo. Uh, the man looked like Bo Jackson out there, not Bo Scarborough. I mean, he was, he was incredible. Um, and that's another guy that I, I would have argued for MVP because I think he had the the um, most impressive stat line uh, on the day of any stars or not stars uh, any stallions player for sure um but like I said Scooby made the biggest play at the biggest moment so I, I Bo put on a show and you know we've talked about that run defense for Philadelphia not being there and ultimately I think that's what hurt them because Birmingham racked up 175 rushing yards on them which is un unbelievable um if you go back to if you go back to the game against the generals last week we talked about philly's run defense showing up and stopping um a fantastic fantastic uh russian offense in in the new jersey generals held them to just uh I'm looking up stats. Held them to just 106 yards. Um, Darius Victor only getting 64 yards. But this this Stallions defense or Stallions offense could do whatever they want on on the ground against Philly, and that that's really I think what what did them in. Because um, when you allow that many yards, you're you're letting the clock run out, and you have to just you know you can't be a balanced offense at that point when you're when you're playing against the clock you have to be a pass heavy offense which which does play the stars favor but at the same time you're just allowing allowing that that stallions offense to beat you up and and, and wear you out and it it costs them dearly i think yeah and this is i mean Bo Scarborough had definitely had a chance to shine he's a guy who he's only been playing really for half the season um, which I think he yeah. was injured a couple games because I, I remember his name at the start of the season. So I think he was injured for a while and came back. Uh, but he only had 350 yards yeah. and not really a ton of, uh, you know, 352 average four yards, which is pretty average for a professional running back. Uh, only one rushing touchdown the whole season. So to get to come into the first USFL championship and do what you're supposed to do against yeah. supposed like against the rush defense that was in the zone last week against the best rushing team to come out there yeah and do way better than the best rushing team in the league did against this team that had yeah. to be a special feeling for him and he would have been my choice for for MVP like Scooby yeah. Ray as as good as that moment was it was just 
the moment for him. Uh, Bo Scarborough got them to a comfortable enough lead and at the start, like to where they could uh, get the job done. So yeah, and credit you know credit to Mike Riley for for having that game plan of just really from the start. I mean, you could tell from the start that's exactly what Birmingham was wanting to do. They they didn't care about. Um, getting the passing game going right away, but they absolutely cared about running the ball down Philly's throat constantly. And it, it wore that defense out. It did exactly what they wanted it to do, uh, and, and it moved the ball efficiently for them. Um, so credit to, to, to Mike Riley for, for that game plan, absolutely. Or not Mike Riley. I keep saying yeah, Mike Riley. It's, it's, it's Skip Holtz. Sorry. I, what, what, what am I doing? Skip Holtz. I apologize to you. Uh, I, Mike Riley is coach of the year, uh, and that's what I just kept thinking of for whatever reason. But Skip Holtz. Skip Holtz. Let me say it as many times as possible for screwing up his name multiple times just now. Skip Holtz with the fantastic game plan. I agree with you there. So for my under review, I'm kind of, I'm kind of uh, switching up a little bit. I'm cheating a little bit. Uh, it's not really one player or one thing or one unary thing. It's more like a, a worst of the booth or like an unfortunate thing that happened that robbed us of seeing something. I'm going with injuries for under review uh, because this is a championship game. We wanted to see Jamar versus Case all the way to the end, and that's not what we got. We got Mr. Magoo coming in and replacing Jamar Smith uh, in the third quarter, I think. And I don't remember exactly what it was with Case. I think it was some kind of spasms or or cramps or something. I don't think it was anything serious. Uh, but unfortunately, Case Cookus did break his fibula, um, and that's what knocked him out. And it's unfortunate we had to see this game come down to two backup quarterbacks because I feel like it would have been even more electric if you had Jamar and Case in there. And I I think if Case is in there, Philly might have pulled out the win because that dude is, is the heart and soul of that team 100%. Just like Scooby's the heart and soul of the Stallions, Case Cook is, is the shining star of the Philadelphia Stars. Um, and... I think that he just would have fought all the way to the end and possibly pulled it out. But if Jamar's on the other side, maybe maybe he makes some magic happen, just like he has been all season. So I think that we got robbed of seeing two good quarterbacks uh, du- duel it out down the stretch. And also, going back to last week, Matt Colburn wasn't available to play for this Philly offense, uh, their, their star running back, because of an injury in the first round of the playoffs. Um, so I just think that that injuries in the playoffs, it 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 hurt what looked like a good matchup. Um, ultimately, we got a great championship game, so there's no there's no argument with that. I just think it could have been even that much better uh, if if we didn't have the injuries. Yeah, I mean, Case Cook has had three touchdown passes. Yes. before he got injured, yes. like this dude, he he might not have had like all the yards, but he was getting touchdowns and he was throwing the ball around. You, you mean, want you you want to talk about MVP? That dude was on MVP pace uh, until sure. until he broke his, that fibula. You look at his top four receivers. Uh, Williams had seventy three yards. Sewell had uh, sixty six yards and two touchdowns, and I think also a two point conversion at some point. 
Uh, Roland, 55 yards and a touchdown. Gray, 46 yards and a touchdown. Like, they were throwing the ball around. It wasn't yes. like how some might say, like, Mahomes when he has Hill or Kelsey and he just gets on lock with one guy. Like It was all they, over. It was all over the place. And uh, Case Cookis, if he could have stayed healthy, I, this, this would have been a whole uh, different ball game. Um, I, I, my one complaint, uh, about this game was the fact that the stars let Alex Magoose throw a touchdown pass. <laughs> uh, I think that I said it too. I said it while we were watching the game. I yeah. said, if the stars let Magoose score, they deserve to lose. Yeah. And that's what happened. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I just think that, listen, <laughs> Case Cook is in that game. I think Philly pulls it out, and I'm I'm saying it now. Yeah, even and if Jamar Smith stayed in, even if Jamar Smith stayed in too, and and I'm here for it. Case Cookus Revenge Tour 2023. It's happening. I'm here for it. The stars, listen, stars got something to prove next year, and Case Cookus is, is is coming out with a vengeance, healed up and everything. I'm ready for April to get here. Specifically to watch him ball out with his team, because if he goes into the season knowing this team is his, he's not. Uh, he's not going as backup. Brian Scott's not the guy anymore. Uh, I, I, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that they they do right by Brian Scott and trade him to a team such as the Michigan Panthers or the Pittsburgh Maulers, somebody they could really use his quarterback talents. Uh, don't send him to Pittsburgh. I mean, gross. I'm okay. I'm okay with him not going to Pittsburgh for that because I do like the kid. But but Case, I mean Case has absolutely won this job. And if he goes in yep. the season knowing that he is the guy, I think he's going to put on a freaking show next year. Preseason yeah. preseason MVP pick Case Cookies. <laughs> yeah, trade trade Brian Brian Scott. Get a good. I mean, you got Colburn still. Really, maybe like just. Uh, Defensive line, get that's get the pain, get yes. pain or Odom, get one of those guys. That's their biggest. Oh, ooh! Yeah. Could you imagine a Brian Scott for Chris Odom trade? Like that's that's pretty fair. I mean, Brian Scott is is worth a guy like that, and because Brian Scott was looking like like an MVP three weeks into the season, yeah, and Chris Odom, defensive player of the year. I mean, that's a pretty know. even trade, and it helps out. Know. It helps out Houston a lot. Yeah, I don't know if they could spin one for one, or if Houston would be willing to give up Odom even for a quarterback. But it's fun to think about. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> um, it's my under review. Yeah, and I could have gone the easy route and talked about Philly's defense. We've already kind of talked about that. The missed opportunities, letting Magoo throw a touchdown pass, uh, that kind of stuff. Could have gone the easy route. Talked about uh, Costello throwing two picks. Uh, but he's a backup, and it's, I mean, that stuff's going to happen. Magoo threw one, too. So uh, this is the fun league. And this is what we said all season, is they've let these guys play. There's been some nasty hits like this has been like brutal fun just in your face football and for some reason the referees in this game could not keep it in their pants they couldn't <laughs> they just 
Flags everywhere. Flags everywhere all the time. Mike Pereira is trying to eat a sandwich, and they're like, hey, um, I think there might be a hands to the face. Like, dude, that's his shoulder. That's his shoulder, man. Come on. Like, watching these games, as many as I've watched this season, it seems like there's maybe, like, four or five flags at the most yeah, yeah. in the whole game. There were at least ten. I went back through the play-by-play and counted them, and I probably missed some because there yeah. were a lot of plays this game, but there were at least 10. And I don't know if this is... I mean, it's not just players that are trying to get promoted to the NFL. I'm sure the coaches are doing everything they can, and maybe that's why last week with the Generals that um, that Mike Riley was uh, fidgety. Yeah. Um and the referees, too. Referees are trying to get in the NFL. And they're like, watch how good we can throw flags. Oh, <laughs> just let them play. Yeah. Just you are the fun league. If you don't let them play, the XFL is going to come in and be way more fun. And you guys are done next year. Yeah. So let I, them play. I let am interested. Play. I am interested to see how, how that works out between the XFL and and USFL. But but no, going back to this game, you're, you're right. I mean, I think that. It it almost seemed. I don't think any of the calls were necessarily bad. I think they were fine to get called. I mean, when you when when you uh, went back when you went back and looked at it, could you see a penalty there? Okay, sure, but like at the same time, does that need to be called? Well, they haven't been no. calling them all season. That right, right. It's like it's like they were trying to. It's like they were trying to put on a show. Uh, in the championship game, it, calling everything instead of just letting them play, and and I don't think that it necessarily overly impacted the game. I don't think I don't think there was like go back to to the Saints and Rams game where there was the egregious pass interference that that wasn't called. Um, that led to them trying to make pass interference a reviewable play the next season. Like there wasn't one of those. There wasn't a a, a super impactful play that either didn't get called or got called. Um, but it was a little much. There was definitely times where it's like, oh, geez, another flag. Like what's going on? Um, yeah, it, it yeah. Uh, it's definitely worthy of being under review for sure. Well, the way I look at it is when you're used. <laughs> To playing because they've had 10. Uh, I mean, at this point, they've had 11 weeks that yeah. they've played with the same referees because they don't travel. It's mostly the same crew every game. And they know how these guys do. They know what they can get away with. They know like where the lines are. And that's how they've played for 11 yeah. weeks. And then you just have to change it all up in the championship game because they like have to impress uh, Goodell or whatever. Like, yeah, no. And the best, the best way I can describe it is uh, the Super Bowl Chiefs Bucks, where I know a lot of the Chiefs' problem was because Eric Fisher was injured and they had to redo the whole O line. But a lot of it too was Kansas City's defense. Even they're even though they're not super good, they've always played like very aggressive. And yeah. through all of the playoffs and stuff uh, that year, they got away with a lot of it, and they probably shouldn't have. But again, it's that consistency where it's they let them get used to it. They let them right. play. Right. They're like, okay, they're gonna let us play our way. If you're not gonna call it in a 
more or less meaningless week four game, why are you calling it in the most meaningful game? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, definitely, definitely need that consistency. But at, at least, listen, at least we're not sitting here talking about can you believe that they called, you know, that pass interference call when it was BS or whatever? Like, we're not talking about any of that. We're just talking about them throwing too many, which, yeah, you know, if that's if that's what it is, then okay. <laughs> Listen, I just I just have to let it known. This is my well, I guess we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. This is my last podcast for a while, and I have to let it know that referees are trying to ruin football. <laughs> like let us have our minor league like yeah protect, yeah protect brady all you want in the nfl no don't do that <laughs> they're going to <laughs> let's you, not do that let's <laughs> stop doing that they should but you you can't stop them brady brady has that fox money now so oh, get out of here with the fox money <laughs> the refs the refs should think about doing that and then say oh wait no let's not do that that's what should happen <laughs> No, but yeah, just some consistency is all I ask. And to just let us yeah. have fun in the fun league. Yeah. Yeah. So for uh legit or counterfeit, I have a a interesting one for you. So week one, the USFL had three million viewers. Now week one it was simulcast between NBC and Fox. So there was all kinds of ways for people to view it. 3 million viewers for week one. Uh, Throughout the season, they averaged, I think it was 750,000. I know it was over 700,000. 750,000 viewers. The championship game, they had a million and a half. 1.5 million. So, with the viewership fluctuating a little bit... um, Viewership going down as the season went on, but coming back for the championship game on a holiday weekend, Sunday night of a holiday weekend. Uh, USFL season one success, legit or counterfeit? I would call it legit, mainly because they they. If it wasn't a success, they would have just scrapped it, right? Like, people yeah. with money waste money all the time. It doesn't matter how many contracts they sign, they would have gotten out of it. If it, if it wasn't a success, they wouldn't have signed on for a season two. Yeah. Um, but I think, also, even though they weren't able to go around and uh, and make fans and all that, there were still decent crowds in Canton when they did the championships up there. And there's no... USFL for, team up there for the championship game. I was very surprised by the crowd because you, when you look at the the first round of the playoffs, um, at least for the first game, the Stars Generals that was the early game, wasn't it? Yeah. Which is the North game, so that makes sense. Yeah, so that they the, would have more crowd up there. The Stars Generals game, the crowd wasn't as big as I was hoping to see. Um, it, but the championship game crowd, I mean, that sh- that stadium looked pretty full. Pretty full. I mean, so well well done for fans showing up for, for the biggest game. Um, yeah, for me, I think that I would call it a success, honestly, simply for them finishing the season. You know, three years ago, three years ago, yeah, three years ago, we had the AAF that couldn't even make it through 
uh, I think it was week seven, um, because of financial issues, which was unfortunate because they had a really good thing going. The following year, we got the XFL. The XFL, you know, folds after week five because largely because of COVID. I think if COVID didn't happen, things would be different. Um, but two years later, we get the USFL, and we actually get a full season of spring league football with a championship. I think that I think that it's a success. I think the fact that you have a million and a half people tuning in to watch minor league football crown their champion is a success. I mean, compared to compared to the viewership of of the average primetime baseball game, the average you know, primetime NBA game, primetime NHL game, like the numbers are, are very, very good for the USFL. Are they NFL good? No, because the NFL is king. But this, this league's not necessarily trying to compete with the NFL. They're trying to help develop players. Um so I just think that I think it was it the fact that the championship game is as good as it was is also a success. That that you can have these two teams these two teams put on a show like they did. I think I, I mean, I'm here for it. success, success. Yeah. The only thing that happened, like you said, that the viewership dropped towards the end of the season, but that was, uh, and we've talked about this before that they were, the, play, they were, the playoff teams jumped to, they a, didn't matter. The games yeah. didn't matter. I mean, you already had the best four teams and, and I think I want to say it was after week eight, like three of the four playoff teams were set. I think yeah. you had one game in week nine that helped determine the, I think it was the breakers bandits, I think in week nine. Um, but like week 10 was a meaningless week. It was, there was no point in it outside yeah. of the, the, you know, number one draft pick going to, you know, the Maulers or the Panthers, um, which yeah, they was, had, which they had to, they had to spice that up a little bit. Right. Just right. To, to try and attract whoever they could to watch a, two awful teams, compete for for number one pick um yeah i yeah. think absolutely if they can travel a little bit like if they can uh go to honestly they should just go to both pennsylvania cities as much as i don't like pittsburgh i think if you want to get you know if you want rivalries i think are one of the best ways to get people going like Maybe, like, I might not like this team, but, like, I hate this team. And if there's one rivalry I feel like you can build something off of, it's Philly-Pittsburgh. Absolutely. If, if Pittsburgh can get competitive. Yeah, that's that's going to be the key to that. Um, yeah, so they've, you know, they've already said they've come back with Season 2. I believe that they're still aiming to do the same kind of timeline to where, and I, I, I like the timeline, to where it ends, you know, 4th of July holiday weekend. Yeah. Um, close, close to the holiday when people are probably going to be getting together. I think that's a smart move to have a big, a big sporting event around that holiday. Uh, so I would think that they would be aiming for the same kind of timeline, starting in April, finishing, you know, first weekend of July. Um, and they've already announced they're coming back for season two. They've announced that they're going to do kind of a hub city again. They will be doing it in they said two to four cities, which seems really weird that you'd have teams sharing a city. I, I could see them doing like a a north city and a south city. That would make the most sense to have like the four north teams and a north hub city and um, 
the four South teams stay in, I would assume stay in Birmingham because of how, how well that, that worked out for them. Um, that would make the most sense. Was it part of it? They, they're waiting for people to own the teams that actually, that's what I, that's what I heard in the middle of the season was that they were waiting for essentially people to buy the teams, um, and then go from there and setting up everything for, them to be in their their own home city their own home market um which which is i still think that's wonky i just i don't know just just let them play in their home markets you know i think they should and i don't know if i've said this before i think they should travel as a league like they should be a carnival or a circus that's what they should do i don't hate that idea honestly it's weird to say but you have you have ten weeks. Go play in all the base cities. Yeah. Play play in Canton because that's you know the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And uh, play play somewhere where you want to get a team built, maybe like uh, either out west or just play north somewhere in the middle of New Jersey and Michigan. Yeah. I, well, I mean that's so that's interesting. I, I told you before the pod that I had two questions for you. That leads me to one of my questions. Um, so they've already brought up the idea of expansion and expanding the league from eight teams. They haven't announced a number. I would imagine if it, if they're doing it now or going into next season, it would be expanding from eight to ten or twelve. Um, twelve would make the most sense. Then you could have six in each in each division. Um, but with that being on the horizon, what is one city? If you had to pick a city, where's one that you would want to see an expansion team? I know I should have um, given you this question beforehand so you could prep a little bit, but oh well, no, I'm it's putting fine. you on the spot. If, if I'm thinking <laughs> selfishly, selfishly, uh, I would like somewhere in Carolina, whether it's Charlotte or yeah. uh, you know, in one of the Carolinas, just so I could go easily. If I'm thinking of what's best for the league, I would just say go ahead and put a team in Ohio. Like you had mm. people come out to watch the championship, so there's already yeah. people there who are interested. Give them a team to root for, because why not? That's not that's not a bad that's not a bad pick. Which is, I don't think there was an I don't think there was an Ohio team in XFL or a uh, I don't think there has been one. Uh, which trying, is weird because they're think. a huge football. I mean, they have yeah. you have since you have the Bengals. You have the Bengals, you have uh, the Browns, you have Ohio State, the Buckeyes. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a fairly good, fairly good uh, football state for sure. Um, yeah, if I had to pick one, I'm I'm putting one in San Antonio, and the reason why is uh, for anybody who watched the AAF, go back to the very I think it was week one they had the Commanders. Um, the San Antonio, I believe it was called, they were called the San Antonio Commanders, um, playing in week one on primetime on CBS. And that stadium uh, was absolutely packed. They were excited, and those fans loved that team for the seven weeks that they got to cheer it on. <laughs> um so I, I, I'm putting one there. I think that San Antonio has a great sports environment um, and doesn't get the love that, that they should from having uh, a, a football team there. Um, 
they kind of get a little overlooked because you've got the Texans, you've got the Cowboys and the NFL, and then you've got this other team that had or this other city that has a a pro basketball team that is loved, and, and they would go all out for a semi-professional football team um, because they showed that for sure in the AAF. The other one that I thought of was uh, DC because the DC Defenders crowd for the XFL was legit. I mean, that crowd was amazing. They were selling out that soccer stadium, uh, that MLS stadium, for XFL games. Uh, and if you can do that for for semi-professional, minor league, whatever you want to call it, football, then you're doing something right. Um, but I think that the XFL is going to have the DC team again, and I don't know what I don't know what they're looking at as far as home markets versus hub city. I would bet that they would go the route of home markets again if they can. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, um, my only worry with that would be like if they're trying not to travel as much, being that far west for San Antonio. But I mean, you're right; they got the. Don't they have a hockey team too? I thought maybe I thought they had another big team. San there. Antonio doesn't. No, they've just got they've just got the Spurs, as far as I know. I want to say they might be looking at getting an MLS team, but I'm not sure on that. I know there's no hockey, there's no baseball, there's nothing. So, huh. yeah, yeah, they they should have more sports there. I think. Yeah, I mean, I've, ne- they, I've never been there, but I've only heard they you know, packed out things, so. they packed out the Alamo Dome for the uh, the AAF game there. It was packed and it was loud. Yeah. I'd I say think- and put one there. I think at this point, and a lot of this could depend on where the XFL decides to place their teams too which I'm wondering if they're maybe waiting on that before expanding maybe in the third or fourth season. Um, yeah. At this point, I'm like, unless it's really close to me, I feel like SEC just dominates college football and let's, let's get football. Like some other, like the other places might not be interested to go see this kind of football when they can go watch Alabama win 12 games. True. Or however many True. games they play in college. So, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, question number two was assuming that the rosters stay similar or, you know, there's not like you're not having a lot of the main guys move on to the NFL or move over to the XFL. So when the rosters stay similar, who's your pick for USFL champion 2023? It's tough. <laughs> like, I wish Floater wasn't the Jameis Winston of the <laughs> USFL. He just throws so many picks, but they're so fun to watch. Uh, I think just based on everything we've seen this year, the talent the and all that, I I really think the stars should have won this one, and I think they'll they'll get their comeuppance next year. That's that's who I'm picking is the stars. I think that if I didn't pick the stars, I think I'd probably go with generals. I yeah. think the generals the generals are probably the most well rounded and balanced team in the league. Uh, I think they just ran into a stars team that 
had a ton of a ton of heart, a ton of fight, and a ton of momentum and passion going into that game. Um, but I think that the Case Cookers Revenge Tour is happening, and like I said, I, preseason MVP pick, it's probably going to be Case Cookers because I think the dude wants it. Uh, and he showed that he's got the goods this year. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, if not the best, uh, and, and I think he's going to lead that team. I just think they've got a couple things to figure out, but that team is a, so much fun to watch and root for, so much fun. Uh, I'm, I'm open to a Birmingham repeat. I think the stallion seems fun. Um, and I think the gamblers have a ton of talent that they can't do anything with. So if they can figure out how to do, how to make magic happen with the talent that they got. Then I think they have a shot, but until that happens, I'm, I'm with you. I'm sticking with the stars. Yeah. It's like pretty much at this point, every team would have, I I think even the bandits to an extent have potential. They just, the only person that showed life in the back half of the season was uh, Tiamu and he just wasn't enough. Um, The bandits wish they had potential. (laughs) Uh, But no, really the only teams, like if they didn't change their roster at all, the only teams I would really count out would be the Maulers and the Panthers. Even then, though, I I I wouldn't Even, count the Panthers out. I uh... the Panthers to me, the Panthers to me are a they're close to the Gamblers. I think they I think they have a lot of talent. They just can't get they can't get. Let me phrase it. They have a lot of potential that they can't get yet for whatever reason. They weren't able to reach their full potential. Um. I don't know if at their full potential they're better than the Stars or the Stallions or the Generals, but they're they could they could go on a run. I think. Um, I just think they have a bad head coach. <laughs> a lot of the team's problems. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, may, maybe they just maybe maybe. You know, another year, uh, keeping the gang together going into to a year two. I think, I think that does a lot for a team. I think, I think it's difficult to really get that chemistry going when you start training camp three weeks before the season starts, and so you have three weeks, and then all of a sudden you're in it. Um, and and the st- the uh, the Panthers were were they really were competitive in almost all of their games. Did they lose? Yeah, they lost a lot, but they kept it close in a lot of them. Just like the Gamblers. The Gamblers kept it close in almost every game. Almost every game they, they yeah. were in it until the end. So I, I think those two teams have a lot of potential and, and could make noise, but I'm still sticking with the Stars, man. I'm, I'm, I'm here for Philly. <laughs> yeah, Case Cook is... If- I don't know if it'll happen now because he, you know, had to leave the game early in injury and they ended up losing. But Case Cookish should be the face of the of the USFL. Yeah. Yeah. I mean he he is I mean really it's it's to me it's him and Jamar. I think again, this goes back to why I think the, the two right teams made it to the championship game. I mean Jamar is a ton of fun to watch and root for also, but Case He's just more like 
Jamar is more like the mm, the modern like mobile quarterback that's like cool in the NFL, and Case is more like the old school pocket passing man that can pick up a couple yards with his feet if he has to. He's not he you know he's not he's not the 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 cool type hip type quarterback uh, in, in the NFL currently, but he's fun, man. He's just fun. Yeah. It's just fun. <laughs> well, I think that's gonna do it for year one of the Booth Review USFL podcast. Uh, I appreciate every single one of y'all for tuning in when you have been able to uh, and listening on your car ride at work however you consume it uh, we very much appreciate the love and the support and we hope you've enjoyed it too uh, we, we love talking football so we just it just seemed natural to, to want to start a podcast and thank you for tuning in and listening however you can we appreciate it uh, hopefully you'll stick around um, if this is your first introduction to booth review hopefully you'll stick around for our nfl coverage uh in a month or a month and a half um and if you're not following us on on any of our socials i guess check them out uh, i i will make Devin post stuff when we get closer to nfl season uh i say that as not the companion of the nfl season i'll be around but uh i'll whip him into shape Um, I do want to say I appreciate the opportunity to be here for the USFL segment of the Booth Review podcast, and I hope to do it again with you next year and maybe talk some NFL to you if if Blake gets COVID or something. Hey, I'm I'm here for it. I mean, you're 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 already joining us for one episode of uh, of the NFL podcast, so that'll be fun. Uh, People be be there with us, I believe, for our fourth episode i think is when we decided was that right or are you on the first episode whenever you're doing the west is what we said it's either the first or the fourth which i know isn't helping any of our listeners but (laughs) it will be that's why you need to go follow the social medias and when i tell Devin, he has to tell people when we're doing stuff it will be one of those two episodes uh, episode two and episode three, I believe, will be just me and Blake. Well, we are hoping to have a guest for episode one, episode four, uh, and Pete will be on one of those episodes. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so come back and listen to us then. Uh, we thank you, and as always, I think that's that. Ciao.